up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Porus Walker. He joins us via Skype from his home in Northern California. We have a fun conversation. It's actually the first time we've sat down and been able to talk uh, one-on-one. Um, I've been an admirer of his work for a long time. He's super fucking funny. Uh, and that's something that I really miss in my own work is I feel like I have a sense of humor, but it doesn't come out in the things that I make at all. And uh, it's quite the opposite in uh, in Porus's work. As always, make sure you go follow Mike Maxwell Art on the Instagrams and uh, on all the social medias. You can follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on all the fun stuff. Um, we got uh, you. You've been hearing me talk about these guys for the past few episodes. Soho Design House is our sponsor for this episode. Uh, they are making really cool handmade rugs. And get this, uh, you've heard me talk about it on recent episodes, how artists are always pretty stoked to see the things that they made in print form. And um, they're, they're offering this service for artists to be able to take the art that they make and have it be formed into a handmade rug. So, like, if you want to make something for your house, make something for a gift for somebody, uh, make something for your mom, make something for your dad, uh, to put in the house, if you want to hang something in a show that's a handmade tapestry of, you know, hand-woven rug of uh, multiple of one of your works, uh, you have that option. So... Check out Soho Design House on Instagram. It's at S-O-H-O-D-H. Uh, that's also their website, S-O-H-O-D-H dot com. Or you could do the full name, SohoDesignHouse.com. If you're in the L.A. area, check them out at uh, 6912 Melrose Avenue. They have a little showroom, and you can check out some of the work that they make. And if you're an artist, follow them on Instagram and hit them up and uh, get some awesome rugs made. And you can check out their website. They have uh, at SohoDesignHouse.com. They have all the the processes and steps that they go through in making it, and uh, a list of all the cool artists that they've already done work with before in the past and uh, are currently working with now. So, again, big thanks to those guys for for taking the time to uh, support the show and putting some money into this thing. It's much appreciated. If you want to donate to the podcast or uh, also sponsor the show. Uh, you could hit me up uh, via any of the social medias or info at MikeMaxwellArt.com. Uh, you should follow me on Periscope. Anybody Periscoping? It, it seems like it's it's got a, a head of steam in the L.A. comedian scene, uh, which is usually a first indication of whether it's going to be popular amongst the general population. Um, I've been doing these morning dab confessionals which are pretty fun and i just they're only up for a short period of time then they're deleted uh so follow me on periscope it's i don't know how the things work but my name is mike maxwell art on there you should be able to find me or you could find it through twitter i think twitter owns it oh sorry i just drank a red bull my throat's all gurgly um all right so we have porous on the show and that's it I hope everybody's doing good. I hope everyone's liking that the episodes are getting put out more rapidly now. I'm staying on the ball. I'm talking to a bunch of more people to get on the, the podcast. And I'm not going to rant about anything today. 
except for Periscope, and it was a positive thing. I think uh, if you're on there, try to find me and uh, check out me getting high or doing jujitsu or being bored and showing you what I'm up to. So do that, and we miss Producer Lex. Hope he's doing good out there. Follow Producer Lex at Producer Lex on the Twitters. Tell him we miss him. All right. Let's jump right into this thing and give Mr. Porus Walker a call. Mr. Porus Walker, what's up, my friend? Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. It's uh, it's good to finally have you on the show. I know we've talked about it for a little while to uh, to sit down and talk. We finally got our, our watches synced up. So, so first of all, I want to uh, thank you for, for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I've never I, done one of these. No, I've, I, it, that's the case for, you know, a lot of artists there. Are, you know, there's been this new, um, brash of artist podcasts that are showing up. I've, I've noticed on iTunes and it's so funny. Like the more I say that, like, I like the idea of more people doing it. The fact is I'm, I actually am kind of a little, uh, I have a little bit of animosity when I see so for instance there's a new art podcast that has a uh an artist who I had talked to about being on the show and somehow it just ends up right in the top like number one slot in the the arts podcast on iTunes uh-huh. and I'm a little fucking like as much as I like to try to pretend I don't have a big ego or that like the more the merrier I'm I'm still a little bitter about it so you interviewed this guy or what no no no. it's just some new podcast there's there, well here's the oh, thing oh, oh. new art podcast popping up on itunes recently well, yeah that's our egos we got problems yeah yeah for sure but that's um, okay right yeah but you'll you know you'll as long as you keep doing it you'll you'll get up there to number one well i think that's the like, itunes that's- rankings are so i'm already number one in my head you know what Damn i mean right Right, and especially yeah. now, I think we're gonna really like boost the charts <laughs> with Superman's underwear. So, yeah, so I, I my first recollection of you or memory of you, um, I got a letter in the mail from Ronald McDonald um, with a, a like a half pack of French fries. I think just one French fry. I, I wasn't that rich at the time, so just, I was only just one French fry. Yeah, I feel like maybe I I felt I think I had a few French fries. You might have had a few, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at least to last the trip. <laughs> so I, I was obviously uh, intrigued right away, as anybody would. I don't even know. In fact, I'm not sure exactly how you got my mailing address, which made it even more <laughs> intriguing. Um, so. I guess that, and I, I went to one of your shows in San Francisco, and I don't know, maybe that, maybe the fries came after the show, but I caught your show at, um, fuck, receiver gallery. At receiver gallery, yes. Yeah. But let, so, so I know you as a Bay Area artist. Did you grow up in in San Francisco? I grew up in St. Louis, and then moved to uh, San Francisco in '98, and then lived in a like an old Navy lifeboat in Sausalito. Um, one of the old hippie commune boats for a while and then got a job up in Napa and moved up to Napa, which is just agricultural 
wine country, farmland, really. Yeah. Were your so, folks? Uh, everybody's in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So they they didn't come west for uh, the um, the commune life. No, no. I, I wish, but no, they didn't. Uh, it's it was my girlfriend who's now my wife at the time, and that was probably sixteen years ago. It was quite. It was ninety eight. So, if I, I'm bad at math, but that's what brought us out here was uh, get out of. Uh, get out of St. Louis and just kind of change it up. And we wound up sticking, sticking around out here. I love St. Louis, but um, the weather here is fantastic. Well, it seems, you know, I've talked to a number of different artists that come out of uh, St. Louis um, and some of the surrounding areas. And it, it there seems to be a particular uh, creativeness that comes from uh, agricultural farmland sort of areas. Maybe. I think so. And what you think it's just time, just time on your hands? Time and um, that creative energy. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think there's that collective consciousness thing that happens uh, where if you're in the city, sometimes when I'm in the in big cities, it's so overwhelming. And I lived in the city for about a year in uh, Bernal Heights when we first moved out here. And it was just it, for for a guy from St. Louis, it was quite overwhelming, you know, to – to being from St. Louis to, yeah. to then just then living in the mission. Um, and I just didn't have that creative drive. I didn't really start doing art until I was, I think, in Sausalito. So it was like 2000. And I was 20, 20 years old. And what you didn't have any sort of inclinations to do it before then? So like what was like, you know, my, high school wife, in St. Louis? My, you, wife was probably, my wife was a fine art printmaker when I met her and um, so she's, she's, you know, a real, a real artist. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just sort of played around with, with all the shit she had laying around and um, you know, I'm terrible. And so then my, but my parents also, they, they were playwrights. So I was around some kind of art form. My parents had um, like we, in our basement, we had a, we had a, whole like racks of costumes for different plays and so yeah, as a amazing. kid and we always had music playing my mom was a choreographer for for a lot of these plays so th- she would clear the the furniture out of our living room and just and you know we had record players so they would just p- dance to these records and so we'd have dance parties and my mom would do these choreography parties and yeah so yeah we were always around you know expression and yeah. creative expression but my dad uh drove a linen truck and uh you know my mom didn't didn't work other than than these plays and that was their outlet but then uh my dad was really you know like the really i think he's pretty funny and he's (laughs) and he's kind of crazy in his own way and so um that always inspired me just to do do what i wanted you know yeah, well, it seems to make a sort of a, a pretty perfect mix in terms of the theatrics of uh, stage performance. Was was she doing uh, original plays? Were they like? Yeah, uh, they were all original. They would they they did a lot of spoof. So they would write um, they would write things, and a lot of it reminded me of. I think they were influenced by Saturday Night Live, and I remember as a kid, you know, we'd be. Um, little kids and we we'd go to different different 
of their friends' houses or our house and they'd always have parties and uh, there'd always be pizza and uh, my parents didn't smoke, but everybody else did. So there was always like cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's always that burnt rope smoke that my mom would tell us was uh, uh, like pine incense. <laughs> and then later on, I realized, no, wait, that's marijuana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like in high, I think high school or junior high, it was, damn, who's smoking pine incense? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Dumbass, that's weird. Do you think so, those same parties are happening now? I hope so. I really do hope so. I know, right? Cause it seems – so I have the same sort of experience, right? Like I, my parents had a group of friends who all had kids, like maybe that around the same age, and they would you know, have parties together and do whatever they do at their parties. But you know, as a grown man now without kids, it doesn't – like parties are more like adult parties that I go to now. I don't, I don't see like – I don't go to as many family parties as I as I did as a kid. I guess. Well, well, we have a 13 year old daughter, and uh-huh. so one of my best friends, who's also one of my favorite artists, his name's Dave Hop. Um, he and his wife uh, sort of run a like a preschool here in Napa, and it's he's they're on like an acre of land, and they've got three kids themselves. So whenever we have parties uh it's it's great because it it is a lot like those parties that i attended as a kid because it's a mix of parents and 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 there's constantly kids running around so that's you know and that's important i think for anybody especially artists to have those kids around and always have young people running around i just i just mentioned that today that uh somebody told like somebody i played the game they're like oh how old are you i guess just to try to again back to the ego thing um and you know they guessed like five years six years younger than i am and they that's nice yeah it was great and they said you look young and i what i what i replied to was that uh hanging out with younger people has a tendency to keep you younger, keep you have, you know, that, um, that lust for life, maybe that kids have that can be, you know, passed on. I just started teaching kids jujitsu, like, uh, as it like a substitute and it was the same sort of thing. Like there's a, you know, I think it's important without being creepy. Oh no! It's and it's never. I mean, it, it could be creepy, but <laughs> but it's not. You know, especially for me. I mean, I'm. I don't know if you've ever seen my my art, but I draw a lot of penises and vaginas, uh-huh. buttholes, yeah. and we're going to get into that. Don't worry. Okay, and a lot of people, you know, it's like, oh, this is what is this? Like fourth grade humor, fifth grade humor, and it's. I, I think so. I think it is. And my daughter's thirteen, so now she's able to. She's for the last couple of years. She's re- she, now she's on Instagram, and yeah. so she sees it, and <laughs> it's and it's like, oh, I've, I'm pretty open about it, and um, I think it's important to to, to teach her that there's humor there, and um, and that's something that gets lost okay. in both like dealing with human biology, like even like the birds and bees conversation. There, there's usually not a whole yeah. lot of humor attached to that. No, my mom really screwed me up because I I asked her early on when I was a kid because I had heard somebody reference birds and the bees and she said, well, the birds uh, sing and the bees buzz. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, for real, mom, tell me. And it didn't work out. She never wound up telling me. what The way I found out was my dad 
uh, was driving me to he went in our town. There were these uh, the mail the post office behind the post office. There was those blue post office boxes, right? Uh-huh. You remember those? Yeah. When you can walk up and just put mail in them. I uh-huh. don't know if they're even around anymore. Yeah, they're still but, out there. Okay. Well, anyway, there was a whole row of them, like six, and he would like to mail, send all his bills on Sundays. So we're in the car. I can't remember how old I am. I'm in the front seat with him. He's trying to tell me that, you know, when a man loves a woman, the man puts his penis inside <laughs> China. And there's this woman in front of us in the car in front of us who's taken a long time to, to move forward. She's mailed her shit, but she hasn't moved. And my dad's kind of nervous, and I'm just laughing. I can't take him <laughs> seriously. And he sticks his head out the window. He honks at her, and he, I think he stuck his head out, his, out the window and said, move up. And she proceeded to flick him off. Well, in the middle of him telling me, uh, so when a man loves a woman, he puts his penis in the woman's vagina. This woman put, sticks her finger out the window, gives him the finger, he yells at her, ah, stick it up your ass and walk on your elbows. Immediately <laughs> back to me and says, now, Jim, it only works if there's love involved. And, you know, so from that, it was like, okay, sex is kind of a, a joke. I mean, it's serious, but there's also always been that humor. Yeah. Because I've always tried to stick my finger up my ass and walk on my elbows. <laughs> to But, yeah, I mean um, – so the thing about kids and youth, I think that it's important to have have kids around. And and um, I think, you know, I worked for um, Francis and Eleanor Coppola for quite some time. And one of the things about uh, – that I learned from Francis was uh, the importance to have young people around him at all times. And I think – it, it not only you see because every all these young kids it's like everybody's got the the passion and the drive and there's no ego necessarily there to fuck with them and as we get older I'm 40 now yeah. uh, I'm I'm I still have an ego but I've I've sort of gotten over some of that like well hey it's my idea and <laughs> yeah. I didn't get credit and fucking yeah. hey, and, um, and you I, know, I, I feel I, the same way too like I I like to joke as a way to sort of even like push the ego down a little bit further. Yeah. I mean, I have to, because I've gotten upset over things like people saying, Oh, so-and-so bit your art or, and to me, I, it's like, wow, fucking, I don't care. You know, if you're going to, and if you, even if you make a shitload of money off of something that looks exactly like something I did, it's going to come back on you, you know? And, and my thing has always been, well, I'm not necessarily, I'm just doing it and it keeps coming. Like I'll sit down to draw and you know, it's like, I can't help it. It's, it just happens. And I'm lucky that I'm even able to, to have, cause I've had people buy my artwork, which is fucking crazy to me. Yeah. That's something I wanted to sort of talk to you about. And it's something that comes up on the show, even like, you know, like people who uh, are making morbid art or people who are making hypersexual art or, uh, people who are making things that have to do with like uh, murder or things that are, you know, maybe not like stuff that you put over the the couch in the living room or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, like, but there's very much a a platform for these works. But I see it as it's almost like handicapping oneself in something that is 
already extremely difficult to do in terms of the business of selling art. Right. Um, and that maybe we could talk about all the dick drawings too, but I like, I, you know, I've been watching your work for a long time. So like I've sort of seen, um, I guess what feels like maybe like a, a three part sort of evolution where, you know, a, a lot of your work had started out as, and I think the content matter has been pretty consistent. Um, yeah. But over time, you know, you started like with a lot of ink drawings with uh, with what looked to me maybe gouache or acrylic, you know, working some, some paint action. No, uh, those were just markers. Or with markers, yeah. Yeah, like those combow markers, you know, the ones with the brush on one end and the... Even what about the splatter stuff? Didn't you? Well, that do... was paint. Those are paint pens. Even the... just... Oh, just dotting it out? Well, and dotting and then like flicking the Flaming pen. Flaming the ink. And that's it, you know, but then yeah. definitely layering it. And I just liked the primary colors. So, and, you know, it, it definitely has a handmade feel to it. And then I saw there's a transition into um, uh, the digital platform where you yeah. it, you seem like you moved into where it, I don't, I, I think personally, I thought you were going to start doing like animation, which uh-huh. it seems like your work could very easily fit into that um, environment. And then now I see I, – I wrote down the word um, you're in your dirty coloring book phase. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And by dirty, it's, you know, a double, a double meeting in yeah. that the, uh, the, the application has gotten crude as well right. as the sort of the temperament of the pieces has, right. uh, you know, the, the, the joke side of it tends to be um, crude. But what's funny is, you know, it's all human nature stuff and it's the things that we decide or dictate are crude. Um, do did you see, do you ever look back at that span and see that transition? Do you remember like the moments oh, yeah. in between there? And maybe oh, yeah. you could talk about some of the, the reasons and pathways. So, so the whole, yeah. So the whole thing, Initially, it was I, I love uh, sculpture, and I love uh, I, I don't think it's performance art as much as it's it's sort of street theater and live theater, uh, improv. But uh-huh. uh, and I think that comes from growing up, you know, with my parents being actors and and really theatrical. So I love I still pursue art where I bring things into the into the public that. It, uh, just kind of change their day, change the world. Not graffiti, uh, not stencils, nothing like that, but a lot of just physical installations that um, I, I document some. I don't, I don't document a lot just because that's not what they're for. They're just for, I think, me, the satisfaction knowing that somebody's going to encounter this and have a feeling. Can I give but, an example of that for the listeners as somebody who's an outside perspective? Sure. And we, we mentioned the, the – sure. um, the show earlier yeah. uh the opening i assume i i don't know if it was you or not i we this is the first time we've ever talked but yeah. uh there was a parachuter who was, oh, yeah, that was face down that was you that was me yeah and i don't know i didn't know I, that was one of my first art shows in san francisco uh-huh. um and i just i found this i always wanted a parachute I've never skydived, but I just wanted a parachute because I thought if I got up high, I could probably jump and release it. But that's not how they work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like off your house, you know. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I had this parachute 
and I just decided the last minute to wear it into this gallery and, and fall down. And honestly, I mean, I never studied art re- really. Like I never went studied art in, and so I, I didn't understand like the depths of performance art and the history behind it. And, um, which kind of is like, is kind of nice, right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's and the the which is nice. But the more that I've discovered artists and the history of it, I it's it's great. It it makes me feel, you know, like okay, there connected, is some, right? Yeah, connected and because that's and that that's something an interesting point that maybe we should point yeah. out. Uh, this feeling sometimes, and I I feel as somebody who's been self taught, who's learned things. Uh, like on their own, but still like this idea that you come, you know, even if you like come up with an idea or you find something out about history or something, all of a sudden you, you make a secondary connection where you find out the things that you, I, and I have this in jujitsu specifically, like I'll think that I came up with a particular set of movements that I will find, you know, came from a hundred years ago or something. Mm -hmm. Do you know? And and I think that it's the same sort of idea with performance, especially coming from uh, with a lack of formal education. You don't get all of that previous knowledge, but finding it later sometimes even has a better reward. It's almost like you, it's almost like vindication or validation that you kind of are on a particular path, right? Or like that, that some other people, are on the same wavelength. Absolutely. I think it's, it's the exact same thing. Um, and then if you, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's the exact same thing. You have a show coming up here. Is it this weekend? Next weekend in Santa Monica. Okay, good. So this show will be out, um, not this week, but the following week. So that it'll be this weekend. Oh, cool. Officially. Okay. Um, can we talk a little bit about what you're doing for the show? I, so I know I saw that there was some, um, Jerry Saltz, like, uh, yeah, I have no idea who that, who that guy is. And then some drama or something. I, I, yeah. I saw it on Twitter. So, um, yeah, no. So the guy that's, so there's a guy I met, you know, like we all meet nowadays online or through email, Instagram. And that's how I got your, your address actually initially was. And that's how I got to know a lot of artists was I just emailed you uh-huh. and I think I said, I have a present for you yep. and you said, please you send me presents, please. I, yeah, I still have the, uh, I still have the email somewhere and, and you said, sure, you know, and I thought, holy shit. Cause I, I've been a fan of your work for years and years oh, and thanks. to me, you are, you really are a true, truly talented, gifted artist. You're one of my favorite yeah. artists. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. There's that. only, you know, like 20 people that I actually like their art. And um, well, that's not true. But you're, you're one of the originals. And so I, I emailed that. you. And, uh, yeah, you, you're the one who gave me your mailing address. So. Uh, yeah. Well, I figured it, you just have to bribe me. That's it. Right. right. I just and didn't want to say it at first. And it was cool. That's how I met a lot of people. So, uh-huh. But going back, that's how I met this guy, Daniel. His name is Daniel Rolnick. And um, – he emailed me out of nowhere and said he was coming through Napa at some point and uh, he'd like to stop by my studio, which is just my house. And I said, sure, you know, and um, I think it's always nice if people reach out and they want to meet you in the physical form. Yeah. So anyway, I met uh, – he, he never showed up. 
he his his schedule changed and uh, talking to Ferris Plock, another artist who I think you know. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was going to tell you that you kind of sound like I noticed as people like as I listen to interviews over and over, you know, that yeah. certain people from, you know, it's one, it's like jaw structure. And then two, it's like geographical location of where your ancestry came from. But there's oh, okay. particular sounds that people's just their faces make. And I thought you kind of said you and you and Ferris kind of sound alike. You and kind I think, of sound- you kind of sound like him too. It's funny. Yeah, I, it's it's thin jaw structure, like uh, like yeah. narrow jaw structure, kind of nasally. Oh, I'm I'm way nasally. Mm-hmm. I'm from St. Louis, buddy. So <laughs> I'm nasally. Yeah, nasal. But, uh, you know the like well, who's uh, the whiners? I think that was Saturday Night Live. That's us. I think it makes for great podcast voices. My though. mom's the worst at it. It's like <laughs> this. Oh my god, that's my mom. <laughs> but um. So, yeah, Daniel was great. Daniel, uh, Ferris and I decided we'd like to do a show together. And I knew Daniel had just opened up a gallery in Santa Monica, yeah, right down the street from the Santa Monica Pier. So we just approached him and asked, could we do a show? He said yes. And we're able to, to pull in um, another good friend of ours, Don Pendleton. Um, uh, Donnie skateboard, Miller. Skateboard artist extraordinaire. Yeah. Grammy Award winning Don Pendleton. I think I I think I invited him to be on the podcast a long time ago, but never got in touch. Oh man, yeah. I, tell him what's should, up. You should tell him to come do the show. Absolutely. Um, and so you know, for me, I I did some art shows back in I think two thousand nine. I've only done a few art shows, and um, I don't know. I, I'm not. I I think galleries are great, but. I'm going to do, we're going to do the show and it'll be fun. And then, um, we get to, I get to drive my daughter and my wife. We're going to all go down to LA, um, and spend some time there and, uh, go to the museum of drastic technology, which is something that I love. And, but anyway, the gallery thing is, um, is, is funny. I'll get to that, but I'll tell you about Jerry Salt. So anyway, Daniel, Daniel is amazing. He's an amazing He's, I think he's 21 or 22. He's really young. Um, he's got that spirit, right? He's got, yeah. Oh my God. And he's, but he does, he's just such a nice guy and he really gets behind other artists and he, um, he reached out to all outlets, you know, um, juxtapose monster children, all these different magazines and looking to, to promote his show. And, um, he also reached out to this guy, Jerry Saltz, who's, I guess, a, the senior art critic for the New Yorker magazine. I'd never heard of him. Yeah. And the guy just said, oh, uh, this is the, the worst art ever. The, <laughs> the, person, the person doing these things is, is not an artist and nowhere, nowhere near. And, uh, you know, I, I, anytime that stuff comes, it, it hurts your feelings, but it also, sure. it also fuels you. And then it also – it makes me laugh because that's the whole reason why I started drawing was just to see how far I could take this. Yeah. And, and what's what's really the funny – like if you dig deep, the funny thing about it is that him even like making a response in that nature actually yeah. has a beneficial nature to you. Oh, because yeah. Because when somebody becomes – you know what he's like reality star kind of a joke like that sort of like I, I think he has clout but at the same time it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek 
for a lot of yeah. people, you know? Yeah. So, like, somebody who probably has a lot of, uh, like, air quote haters. Right. It automatically makes you look better if he doesn't like you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? Well, and, I, and I'm happy. I'm glad. You know, yeah. it's like, God, that's a relief that he doesn't think I'm an artist because I don't think I'm an artist. And, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> let's get – you know, I lo- I'd love to make a living doing this and I think that's what people – hope for with those kind of critics is you get those proper critiques and that helps justify people spending shitloads of money as opposed to, no, I just like the, the, the piece of art. Yeah. It's pretty stupid, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, so that's how the Jerry Saltz thing was more Daniel. And then Daniel really wanting to start this Twitter war with this guy and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm not unless unless I have a, another reason for it. I, I would definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd spend the rest of my life stalking this guy and giving him nothing but but love. <laughs> but I decided not to, you know. I mean, yeah. I decided I said, no, Daniel, have fun with it. But I'm, I'm kind of just, I, I kind of want to just get the show, uh, get the show done and have some fun with you guys, and then and then move on. Yeah. But, one of the things that we did this year that I was really excited about was um, we I was able to secure a, a Chinese restaurant here in Napa with a couple of my sort of uh, business partners who were kind of starting a new – trying to start a new business. And one of the things that we did was secure a Chinese restaurant for three hours in the middle of the day and we had a, an art sale and I released a, a, a book of archival drawings – because I've got, you know, probably 25,000 drawings that I've done since 2000. Yeah, that's and insane. So I just, we had to limit it to 80 drawings. And I, I hate art books, you know. Yeah. Like I hate art books with current living artists. Um, uh, why, why so? Why I, mean, so? I don't hate that. I, I mean, I just think for me, it's like, come on. You know, I'm not, I'm not, maybe in 20, 30 years, it'll be interesting. But yeah, you think, like, so you think people are putting stuff out too early. I always thought that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I bought I bought everything for everybody, but no, I and I love other artists, but for myself, it's just you know. So my partners helped me, you know, put the book together, and and we did a release, and we sold out of the book, which was a good confidence boost and an ego boost, I guess. And then, um, do you find that's that, a better business for you too? To have other people. Well, uh, well, I mean, well, yeah, obviously, but I mean, in terms of making money, like, like we like selling work in a gallery as opposed to like these alternate media. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you know it. It's like big cartel. I, I'm, I'm able to sell original drawings. Like, I, I really don't like prints. I'm not a, you know, I think prints are are good for people like your yourself who are established artists or, um, like. Shepard Ferry, Barry McGee. I think Prince for you guys that that makes more sense. But for me, it's always like um, I I'm able to do these originals, and you've seen them. You know, they're sort of quick sketches, and um, and they don't take me more than a, I'd say an hour. So, and conceptually, I don't really plan them out. It's just I draw. Yeah, that's then, something I wanted to talk to you about. Was and the- then you know whatever it looks like. I hear the voices tell, you know, that, <laughs> you know, you see the, the work speak. You've seen yeah. that. Yeah, sure. And so that's what happens. So it's not like I, I, I slave away at these things and I have to let oil paint dry. And, um, 
it, you know, so I love to be able to share them directly. But that, think- also, that also gives me the ability to, to write a personal letter, throw in like a few bucks because I feel guilty. So I'll put money back into the envelopes and mail them to people and say, sorry that you bought this. And <laughs> here's, a, here's some of your money back. I, I'm going to spend the rest of your money. But, you know, that's and I so do funny. spend all the money that people send me. I just I think that that's that's important. Yeah. You know? I don't save any of it. Like, you know, that's that's silly. You're supposed to spend it, right? So, yeah, I think you're supposed to put it right back into the system. Oh, no, I mean, I, I just, I spend it on, like, all kinds of stuff, you know? Well, yeah, even, like, candy is the system. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how did you link up with uh, the um, the wine crew up there? Coppola. Yeah, the Coppolas. I how just did... drove up, I drove up one day, uh, I was... Because I I mentioned that I I I as soon as I saw the Coppola I started I went on a little bit of a wine thing uh, for a couple months I was just kind of sick of drinking beer all the time yeah and so I went on a wine trip and it's kind of cool to like find all the different wineries and all the different type of flavors and tastes and as soon yeah. as I saw the Coppola one I I thought of you as opposed to like the Coppola legacy, but it's fine. You were the first person. I thought. Oh, hell yeah. Well, that's cause I'm bigger than the Coppola. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. We're totally boosting this show's credibility yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the Coppola's, I mean, that, that really is the reason why I've been able to stay in California. My wife and my, my family are huge inspirations, but, um, the Coppola's I'm lucky enough to say that the Coppola's really are true. Um, true inspirations are you just, are you interested in filmmaking and that that no, I, aspect well, I, I am i mean as anything you you're interested but not not in the sense that i'm going to dedicate my entire life and i knew that early on like i went to junior college in st louis for a semester and i took film classes and uh we shot with like a 16 millimeter and super 8 and yeah. it was fun and i loved the storytelling aspect of it but uh, I just knew that's not what I'm. I'm going to be good at. Yeah, and so well, it seems to me starts off and wants to be a director, and that's always the dream. And I'm not really good at directing people. I get I get kind of frustrated with people, <laughs> and with the nasally voice, nobody really wants to listen too much. Can't get so, no respect, huh? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I'm able to just uh, to to draw, but that's not how I started with them. Um, I drove up to wine country because I had spent, there is, you know, there's wineries pretty much in every state. And in Missouri, there are wineries. Then I spent some time out at, at some wineries and I always liked the notion of, you know, people coming to a winery just to, to sip on wine, get drunk and, and they, everybody sits outside. It's the kind of thing that you enjoy. And so I drove up to, uh, to Rutherford, which is about an hour North of, San Francisco, where the Coppola's estate is and their winery, and uh, just fell in love. They have this old stone chateau, and there's huge history behind the land and the chateau, and and I really didn't know much about the Coppola's at all, and I just got a job pouring wine in their tasting room, which is, you know, just the, the, the bottom door, and I was looking to, to work in the vineyards, because um, I'd done manual labor my whole life, and yeah. I was told that I... I really couldn't do it that the majority of the workers were were Mexican and um, and I didn't understand why I couldn't. I never – but then when I met the guys, I, 
you know, I have a lot of friends that work in the fields and, and the vineyards and they're, they're some of my best friends and, um, it's great, but I kind of understand the culture and why I wouldn't necessarily fit in. Yeah. Uh, but I was able to, to meet a guy who was the Coppola's visual designer at the time and he hired me to assist him. So I assisted him for about seven years and then moved on Francis. And I, this whole time I had gotten to know Francis Coppola and his wife, Eleanor and their son, Roman. And, um, I was able to work with, with them quite a bit personally on their side projects and things and never filmed though until I think 2010, 2011. And I had left the companies. I, Francis put me in charge of marketing for all of his companies. So I was the director of creative marketing for his wineries, his film company. He's got resorts in Central America. Um, now he's got, them in, he's got a resort in Italy. Uh, they have a literary magazine. They have a food company. They have several restaurants. And so he just he, he kind of tricked me into that job. He told me I was just going to be a part of a creative marketing team. And then the next thing I know, he's sending an email out to his whole family and everyone in his company saying that I am now the, the head of marketing. <laughs> that and, seems pretty know, intense. It was extremely intense, but it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. And I just sort of, uh, I just, after two years of it, you know, I'm not a corporate person. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, educated in marketing the traditional marketing and I can come up with creative shit constantly, but I just didn't fit in. Right. So, uh, I left that job and remained friends with the Coppola's and, uh, Francis pulled me into, he tricked me again into like cleaning out a storage unit up at their uh, property. And then the next thing I know, he's telling me, well, you're going to be the art director on my next film because you're not a real art director and we're just going to have some fun. <laughs> wow! So he has a funny way of. Uh, I think I. I don't know if they're insults, but he, I. I don't take him like that because yeah. I love the man. And well, and I like that. I like that you use the word trick. Like he tricks you into jobs. That's great. Well, I mean, for me, it's it's. I just learned, and I learned from Don Pendleton of all people, to never turn down a job ever, um, because you never know where it's going to go. And yeah. I, I took that to heart. And also with, with my work ethic, I just – I knew right away getting in that wine job that I had to go for – once I learned who the Coppolas were and learned uh, who could fire me, <laughs> yeah. I, I literally went for them and, and just said, well, fuck it. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I have to do to – and not kiss ass, not stab at anybody in the back like you traditionally see. But no, I'm just going to – I'm going to do what – what they need done and I'm going to do my best at it. And I failed constantly over there, but I was lucky enough to, to get those second chances. And, and, um, and I think they just appreciated the fact that I was willing to dedicate a huge part of my life and all of my creativity to, to helping promote, you know, what they were trying to do. And I still do it, you know, even though I don't directly work for them anymore, uh, I still get to do side jobs for them and, they're just two of the greatest people, Eleanor and Francis. They're just amazing. And it's Eleanor Coppola who uh, – she had me – she's an amazing artist separate from Francis. Um, but she's sort of always been undercover because Francis always takes right. the, the spotlight and that's just the way it's been. Ellie's won uh, an Emmy for Hearts of Darkness. She's, 
she's won several several awards on her own and um, but her artwork her her personal fine artwork in galleries and and uh, installation pieces are what have truly motivated me to follow suit and to just go after it and really go for it um, so that's right all around I've, I'm lucky if I die tomorrow because you know I got to these chances with them and because I have a beautiful family and friends, I'm happy, you know, and I'm yeah. now I'm 40 years old and I look at it like, Jesus Christ, I've had my fill. I'm so lucky. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Let's that's um, how they got film or the wine thing and the Coppola's and I and can, can you, uh, I'd like to see you write and direct a romantic comedy if that's possible. You got, you got it. You're in it though. You have to star in it. Let, can I just be an extra? Okay, I'll star in it. Okay, you're starring in it. It'll, right. It's about a it's about a jujitsu. Uh, you're black belt now, right? No, I'm only a purple belt. You're purple, but you're close. By the time the film gets made, I, I'll probably be a black belt. All right, cool. But I don't know. You might be able to write a and direct a film in less than like a couple weeks. I don't know. All right, you got it. Well, we're working on a um, we're working on a television show right now. So after we get this television show uh, written and produced, then uh, we'll, we'll work on a romantic comedy starring Mike Ma- Maxwell. I love it. I love it. All right, let's do. Um, where can people find your work? I, let's let's plug the show one more time so people can get out to the gallery uh, this weekend. And see okay, it's, stuff. it's the Daniel Rollneck Gallery. It's in Santa Monica. Hold on. Um, shit, I don't have the address. I'm gonna have to figure out where this show is. It's it's right down the street from the Santa Monica Pier. I'm such an amateur. I want to show you something in a minute if I can. Yeah. I have to go outside and get it. Um, okay, Daniel Rolnick Gallery. It's 1431 Ocean Avenue, and that's in Santa Monica, California. The show is Friday, June 12th, 2015. I believe it. the show opens at 6. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have some original, all original art, really, and it's all affordable art. Nice. That's Dan, that's Daniel's thing is he um, <clears throat> he's trying to just sell pieces that people can walk in and out into a gallery and walk out with and that's always been my my goal. I'm glad that I can make more money now. I think I charge fifty dollars a piece for these original drawings, which to me is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, but I make, I make it worthwhile. You know, I throw in two other originals, one or two other originals into the into the the envelope when people order. So yeah. I think they feel like they're getting more. And then, uh, cause I don't know if you ever knew, but when I started, I, I fucking tricked everybody by, I did a show in San Jose at the, um, Anno Domini gallery uh-huh. or Anno Domini. I don't know how you say it. I know me neither, <laughs> but, uh, it's Sherry Lackey and, uh, and her husband, Brian, and they, they fucking fell for it and let me have, let me put some of my crude drawings in their show. And, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to sell them for, and I get there, and and they were laughing at them, and and I said, well, can I? And she asked me about the price sheet, and I thought, oh fuck, I forgot about a price list at an art show. Yeah. And so I said, well, can I? Can I? Can you write negative five dollars? <laughs> the price list, and they were confused, but I I pulled out some some money and I taped five dollar bills to the back of of my drawings. I think I had eight drawings in the show, and so. They were a little confused, but they went for it. And sure enough, you know, it worked because right away, 
all of my pieces had red stickers next to them. Yeah. And so it looked like, oh, man, this must be a, a good artist if you're looking at it without the price list. But I did that for several shows, and then uh, I realized that probably wasn't so smart. But Look, at, just like Coppola was tricking you into work, you're tricking people into buying things or at least taking money for things. And then taking the piece and thinking, oh, this must be a good artist? I don't know. So That's, yeah. I'm doing a similar thing. I don't know if you're on the Periscopes yet or not. Uh, you oh. should you should check it out the Periscope app, but okay. every time that I post like you sort of you put in a little title about what you're going to be talking about or what you're doing, okay. and I always write what I'm doing, and then at the end of it I write with my pants off, so <laughs> that I get a bunch of extra viewers coming in who are just pervs <laughs> that they see my pants are off. Oh, are your pants actually off? Well, that's the mystery. You never oh, actually shit. see, at least not yet, anyway. <laughs> So I need your mailing address again. I'll text you, but um, I have a purple belt for uh, for your for your wiener. Okay, but yes, perfect. Do you already have one? Not for my wiener, only for my waist. But I need a wiener belt. Do you have a gi for your wiener? I don't. <laughs> I, I do not have it. I could use a gi kimono. That would be pretty nice, or a, uh, a dick kimono. I've always wanted. I've always wanted to roll. I've never had the guts to get out there because I'm. I sweat a lot, you know. Dude, everybody, there's an. I'm a, a, a sweater. There's yeah. another guy who, when I roll with him and I come home to clean my gi, I can yeah. smell that I had been rolling with him because he sweats like a fucking hog. <laughs> so it's no big deal, man. Like everybody, it's so weird. It, I think feet are some of the grossest shit in the world. But yeah. I get on the mat and I attack people's feet. I'm touching them. They're up by my face, and well, yeah, you don't even think twice about it. It's really but strange. It, isn't it a natural thing? I've always felt like I never wrestled in high school, even though I wanted to. I always, you know, I skateboarded, and now I I ride a road bike. You know, that's what I do. Yeah. Stay in shape is skate and, and ride a road bike. And but wrestling and and jujitsu's always seemed like that's got to be the most natural fucking thing in the world is to roll with someone and use their strength again you know it's, it's you see it in the animal world if you look at a couple well, yeah, of animals the, playing around and in, and it's not and you know a lot of people make jokes oh, it's homoerotic whatever it, yeah it's like sex in a lot of ways with you know there's been times i'm having sex i only have sex with my wife thank god and and with her and it's like <laughs> and i feel like hey you know i think we could roll and I, we could still have make it feel good too yeah, you can you can do that you know what i mean it's funny it's <laughs> yeah. funny because yeah. we are like insects. And, I feel like maybe you should put out a sex book too, like uh, like a new uh, Kama Sutra type of deal. That's your deal. You're the purple belt. No, but I mean your illustrative oh, oh. your illustrative capabilities would be fucking perfect. Yeah, I want to show you something. I'm going to walk outside and see if I can uh, stay connected to the internet. Hold on, let's do internet dap first. No, I think you're still here. You're still fine. Am I here? Yeah, you're good. All right. Okay. I've got something. So we're out in the backyard now. Yeah. Listener. So this is where I work. Okay. okay nice so outdoor space. I have outdoor space. And then I have this board. This thing right here. I don't know if you can see it. So it's an easel, right? Uh-huh. One of these things that pops up. Yeah. And it's just got years and years of shit on it. But I have something. And it's funny because it's been covered up now for... I don't know, a couple months, Uh but it's always been looking at me. There's only three stickers on here. 
Shit, I don't know if I can get this off. But it's one of your stickers. Oh, shit. Um, where's the camera? You're almost there. A little bit lower. Oh, yeah. Old bearded head fellow. Yes. Yeah, I got to make those. I would jump in. Uh, Shepard would make sticker runs that occasionally I could throw in. Actually, this might have been another one with uh, my buddy who does graffiti. Uh I've been on that run, but anyway, so like I would do sticker layouts sometimes with people, and would be able to throw a, a graphic in on the sheet yeah. when it went to the printer, and that's I got a fucking shit ton of those. In fact, I probably still have some. If you Man, send me send, something, I'll send you some new ones. Yeah, please, because this guy, I'd always look at it and I'd always think about your line work, and uh, you did a portrait of a good friend of mine, uh, Isaac McKay Randozzi. Uh huh. Haven't which, seen him forever. Which still to this day is like, it's the best portrait I've ever seen of him. And, you know, I've always loved your work. So that's, that's, that's awesome, something. It's an honor to hear from you and, and for you to ask me to do this. Yeah, man. Well, it's an honor to have you on. I mean, again, I've followed your work from, it seems like the same period. So, um, again, the honor is all mine. Well, thanks. All right. Let's do Internet Dap and call this, a, call this an actual thing. But it can't ha- it's not a thing until the Internet Dap happens. What does that mean? You give me knuckles on the camera. Oh. Internet dap. Bam. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else has ever used that phrase. Internet kisses are even better. Do they ever kiss you? No, that's the first one and I appreciate it. French French kiss you? French kiss internet exchange? Yeah. That's the first one. What the, about wiener touch tips? <laughs> the tip touching has not happened either. All right, next time. Next time. We'll have you on for, maybe after the show. I never know where to look. Do you ever know, like, you're supposed to look at the camera, or you're supposed to look at, like, I see you down here, like, you're down there. Yeah, you then... can't see yourself, huh? I don't know. Well, I don't even worry about it. I just want to look you in the eye. We could do that. I could just stare straight into the camera. Yeah. But then if I'm doing that, I'm not actually looking at you. I'm looking at the fucking camera. That's right. All right, my friend. My dog's Thank over here so making much. barking noises. All right, buddy. All right, great to talk to you, and um, best of luck with the show. If I can get up there, I've been—I need to get up to LA. So if I can get up there, I'll come by and um, see you guys and give you hugs. All right. And French kisses. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, later, brother. Have a good day. You too. Bye. That was my chat with Mr. Porus Walker. If you hear me giggling at all during the episode, that seems like out of place, especially at the beginning. I know that you guys can't see the actual Skype call, but during it, um, Porus had a Mike Tyson doll on the screen, like moving around as if uh, it were him talking. There was a stack of children's board games. There was an Apple, like little music box, uh, child's toy. And what else was there? It seems like there was one more thing. Oh, and uh, Superman. So you'll hear me mention Superman in his underwear randomly, uh, and that's what that means. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, It was a a fun conversation. He's an interesting fellow, Um, great sense of humor. Uh, So I think a good good viewpoint on uh, the fine art world that not a lot of us pretentious – hyper narcissistic artist look at it like a it definitely looks through things through a different viewfinder i guess um maybe a kaleidoscope 
viewfinder of some sort. So he's a sweetie. Um, I'm, I'm psyched we finally got to talk. So uh, a big thanks again to Soho Design House for following or uh, for sponsoring this episode. You could follow them at Soho Design House. Their website is SohoDesignHouse.com. Or you can follow them on Instagram at S-O-H-O-D-H, which is short for Soho Design House. And that's it, folks. Of course, go subscribe to the show on iTunes if you want the episodes to just show up in your um, phone or, or on your iTunes at home. And donate to the podcast if you feel so inclined. You could do that over at MikeMaxWater.com. Click on the podcast and you'll find the PayPal link over there. All right. Love you guys. Call them on the phone and platinum Chanel cologne and I stay dressed to impress. Spark this bitch's interest. Sex is all I expect as they watch TV in the Lex. They know, they know. Quarter past four, left the club tips and say no more. Except how I'm getting home tomorrow. She's a drop you off when he see his D.O. Back of my mind, I hope she swallow. Man, she spilled the drink on my cream wallows. Reached the gate, hungry just ate. Riffin', she got to be to work by eight. This must mean she ain't trying to wait. Conversate, sex on the first date. I state, you know what you do to me. She starts off, well, I don't usually. Then I whip it out, rubber, no doubt. Step out, show me what you all about. Fingers in your mouth, open up your blouse. Pull your G-string down south. Do that back out in the parking lot. Buy a Cherokee and a green drop top. And I don't stop until I squirt. Jeans, skirt, butt naked, it all works. Can I never let a nasty girl? 